You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. This morning we're looking at that following God is like a roller coaster, right? Uh, we're looking at Paul's life and this idea of a roller coaster. And when you have a footage, uh, some of this might be familiar to some of you. This is Lightning Rod at Dollywood. This is one of the, the roller coasters. This looks familiar. How many of you love roller coasters? All right. How many of you just hate roller coasters? All right. How many of you have ever thrown up on a roller coaster once you got off a roller coaster? A few people, all right. How many have thrown up on this one? All right, no, no one yet. Someone first hour had. Um, so it, this is a wild roller coaster, lots of twists and turns, ups and downs, uh, and it is exciting, right? If you like roller coasters, you know that thrill, that excitement of the, the highs where like your stomach comes up in your throat and, and the low points and everything in between is exciting. And this is what we're going to see Paul's missionary journey. It's coming to an end, this first missionary journey. And it is like this roller coaster, just ups and downs. And I don't think that that just describes Paul's missionary journey. He's not the only one that has experienced this. That is this wild ride as you are following God's plan for your life. If you're looking where God has, it starts out calmly as you, you come to know Christ. And then it just gets exciting. And then it finally comes to an end. And what is your life going to look like in between that? Is it going to be this ups and downs, these twists and turns, this excitement of following God? And that's what we see in Paul this morning. That's what we see as, as we've looked at many times that we've seen God's working. And one of those things uh, that we've seen God working, that he is definitely blessing, that he is leading the way, is through Windshape Camp. This week, if you might have seen on your way in, there was a table of Windshape. And so I got several stories about Windshape to share with you this week because this is one of those that it's an amazing thing that I see God working. That uh, as we look at Paul's life, we see God working in that. And because of that, there are some great highs, and we're going to get to some of those today, and there are some great lows. And we'll see those today in Acts chapter 14. But also in just wind shape, that is, we're trying to get on board with where God is working. We see these highs and lows in that story, the highs and lows in wind shape. That there, are, there have been lows throughout, well, this is our fifth year hosting it, and if you guys didn't know, you all are the host of Windshape Camp, right? Discovery Church, woohoo, that's exciting, right? You guys are the host of Windshape Camp. Windshape is a camp that goes across the country. Um, they have several different teams, and we are one of the hosts. We, it is held at Keene University, but Discovery Church is the official host, so you all are the host of this awesome camp, of this camp where a couple hundred kids are going to come and meet Jesus uh, this camp where kids are going to come and have a great time. They have like 20 different skills. One of them is archery. I don't know who thinks it's a great idea to give a bunch of kids arrows, but archery is one of them, and they put that station way far away, and that's the one I never go over to. But um, they got skills, and they got cooking, and they got girl world. My daughter signs up for it every, every year, and it, she just gets covered with glitter, and she loves it. My car is littered with glitter afterwards, but it, she loves girl world, and so... They have all these skills, but also they have opportunities where they're coming and worshiping God, where they're experiencing who he is, where they're learning about his truths and where they're learning about Jesus, some, sometimes for the first time. 
And so there's great highs and lows, and, and there's been lows as we've hosted it. There's been times that, that I know the enemy was attacking where funds just kind of disappeared, and, and we don't know what, we weren't able to raise the funds, or volunteers, we were just striving to get any volunteers. There's been times where things just seemed to fall apart, or the, the power went out right in the middle of worship time, uh, one, one session, and things that you just see that these lows... But they're, they're, but they're um, held next to these amazing highs. Like a roller coaster, the, the, you have the low, but then you have these amazing highs. There was this little girl last year. We were able to have scholarships for girls and boys from the Boys and Girls Club to come. And this little girl, she arrived. She didn't know that she'd be going to camp. She just went because someone signed her up. And her home life wasn't very good. Her dad was gone out of the picture, and her mom was rarely around trying to work a couple jobs just to make ends meet. And this little girl comes, and I remember as she arrived, her eyes were like giant saucers. And she just looked. And she says, is all this for me? And I said, yeah, it is. And, and I took her over, and we got her a name tag, and, and we got her set up, and I showed her where some games were, and where over here you could go and compete and get some tokens to earn for your team. She was just so excited. And throughout that week, every time I saw her, her eyes were just huge, and she was just so excited to be there. And as she went to her skills, and as I saw her in the craft class, she was just making crafts, and she said, hi, big wave, and her eyes were huge, and she was excited. And as we went to worship, she was worshiping and dancing and singing and having a great time. And then uh, Wednesday is the day that they present the gospel. And they present the gospel throughout the week, but it's a day for decisions. And it was amazing to hear from one of the volunteers from this church tell later that afternoon about that little girl in their class. And they were in the session and they're having a lunch and they shared about Jesus. And they said, does anyone want to accept Jesus into their heart? And this little girl who didn't even know she'd be coming to camp, slowly raised her hand, raised it up high. That's the kind of highs that Winshape has, that this little girl accepted Jesus. And so they, they pulled her aside and they talked to her about that decision and got her information so they could connect her with a local church. And this volunteer that goes to this church was, was sharing the story and tears in their eye, and they were just so moved by seeing God working in this little girl's life. And so this idea of this roller coaster of highs and lows, it's an exciting thing, and it's a scary thing. And that's what we're going to see in Paul's life. That's what we're going to see in anyone that is passionately following God, that is just letting it all ride. It becomes this wild roller coaster, but one that's amazing that you want to tell stories about later on. If you have your Bibles, open it to Acts chapter 14. That's where we're going to come to the end of Paul's first missionary journey. Like I said, there's been this highs and lows already up to this point. We'll see more in this chapter. The, the highs, they went to Barnabas' island of Cyprus, and the governor accepted Jesus Christ. And then the lows of going to this mountain town and being run off and threatened with their life. And so you have these highs and lows of this journey, uh, of losing companions, of uh, the weather, of all the, of the terrain, of the excitement, of seeing God work, of these miracles that have happened. Happen, and then we get to the end of this journey in chapter 14. And Iconom, Paul and Barnabas went as usual to the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. 
They went to the synagogue as they do every time when they get to a new town because this would give them the common foundation of a, of a monotheistic idea, the common foundation of Yahweh and be able to explain how Yahweh, God, sent his son to die for them. And so many of the Jews and the Gentiles begin to believe and, and the number of Christians is growing in this town. People are learning and discovering about Jesus. But then it says, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Remember, the signs and wonders, the miracles, would come as a way to confirm the teachings that they had. It wasn't a way to get them to come believe, but it was to confirm that what they were saying was from God, and here's the power of God to confirm this teaching. And so they're, they're doing this, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Lycaon cities of Listeria and Derbe and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. So it's time to run. It's time to flee, right? And they didn't just run away out of fear, but they ran to something. They ran to two new locations that they could go and speak about Jesus. As we're going to get into these missionary journeys, you're going to see in the book of Acts several different names of locations that if you're familiar with the New Testament, you're going to see uh, these places that are books of the Bible. Paul's going to go to Philippi, where we get the book of Philippians, or he's going to go to Thessalonica, where we get the book of First and Second Thessalonians. And so we're going to see that as we continue on in Acts, and here they get to Listeria. Listeria was a small town, uh, a small town that had very few Jews. In fact, they said, it said the, the idea was if there was 10 Jews, 10 male Jews or more in your town, you could have a synagogue. And Listeria doesn't have one. So there's not even 10 male Jews. But there is a few female Jews, one of which was a mother, and her mother, the grandmother, was a Jewish, and they were raising their little boy. Timothy, to be, to follow in their faith. And this is where Paul meets Timothy for the first time. We have the books of First and Second Timothy, and here is where he is coming from. And so they get to this town, and Paul begins to speak and begins to tell, and then and people are starting to believe. We pick up in chapter, in verse 8. In Listeria, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. We've seen this story before in Acts chapter 3 with Peter. I don't know if you remember, there was a crippled man that, that believed, and Peter was able to call to him to stand up and walk, and he did. And now we have this small little town with few, few Jewish believers and Peter, uh, Paul and Barnabas have come and they're sharing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this one man, a crippled man, is listening in and he believes. This is a small town and everyone knew this man. They, they've seen him grow up crippled. It says that he's been like this from, from birth. Maybe he was born deformed. Maybe it was uh, complications in the birthing process. But either way, when the other little babies began to crawl, this little baby didn't crawl quite the same. It was more just pulling from his arms. And as the other little babies began to, to reach one year, one and a half, two years, and they began to walk, 
he was still just pulling himself along on the ground. The other kids began to walk, run, jump, play. And as they developed, here is this little boy who never could stand up, who never could walk. And so the whole town knows him. The whole town has loved him, has cared for him, and, and has seen him as the, the crippled man from birth. And he's been listening in. And he believes in the saving grace. He believes in this idea of Jesus that it will restore our souls and maybe restore our bodies. And he believes, and Paul tells him to stand up and walk, and he does. And the whole town knows him well, right? The whole town has seen him cripple. The whole town, whether the young or old, they all know that guy. And so when they see him walk, they're all astonished. They're excited. They celebrate. And so the whole town goes crazy, and they wonder, and the word gets out, the crippled guy's walking. You'll never believe. He's walking. He can stand up. For the first time, they see how tall he is. For the first time, they see him eye to eye. And so everyone's excited about this man that can now walk and about the ones who made this happen. And so they go, and they begin to get excited and they begin to exclaim in their own languages what they naturally think must have occurred. In verse 8, uh, verse not 11, it says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lysanoan language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gate because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So you got this comical scene, like they're so excited, he's healed, there must be something amazing. And they begin to shout, and, and Paul and Barnabas are, you know, I got to think that they're just excited. They see everyone, they're like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, they're high-fiving, everyone's giving them a high-five, and, and they're excited, they don't understand what's happening. But then they see everyone rushing to the temple to Zeus that they saw as they entered into town. And they pull out an oxen, and they pull out these reeds, and they put it on Paul's neck, and they put it on Bar Barnabas's neck, and they begin to bow down and worship them. There's this old legend that Paul, that Zeus and Hermes would come down to earth, to earth and would be embodied in two normal mortals. And those mortals would visit from town to town. This legend was circulated in this area of Turkey, and, and so of modern-day Turkey. And so this idea is what they've been looking for, that they thought this is actually happening to their town. This legend that they've only heard about is happening here. And so they're excited, and they think Zeus and Hermes has arrived, and Paul and Barnabas finally starts to click what's going on. And he got to think, what, I can't imagine what they're wondering. Like, if I was there with Paul, and he's just like, we are the worst missionaries ever, right? Like, we were supposed to tell them about Jesus, we're supposed to be bringing them to Jesus, and now they think we're gods. And, and, he, and he turns, he's like, we failed miserably, I don't know what to do now. And I would just turn back to him and be like, that's true, but when you refer to me, call me Zeus. And, and so that would be my I thought. It's probably why God didn't send me at this time. Like, Barnabas has a much kinder heart, and Barnabas is like, no, no, we can't point and take the credit for this. And so, so they're, they're wondering, like, what do we do now? And so they go to the crowd, and this crowd that's excited, this crowd that's bowing down to them, the crowd that's ready to sacrifice to them. It says, verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes which was kind of a symbol of grief and of sorrow, right? They turned, tore the clothes and they rushed out in the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from those worthless things of the living God, whom you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. 
He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provided you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. It's a very different message that Paul has than we've seen up to this point. To this point, he started in the synagogues and he's making a connection with the, with the monotheistic God that they had of Yahweh. But now he's in this new area where they believe in many gods, where they believe in Zeus and Hermes and, and a whole list of others. And he makes this connection that there's one God over the land and sea and air, which is what they thought was three different gods. They thought that all, all the things were encompassed by those three things. And he says, there's one God that made everything. And he cares about you. Let me tell you how I know he cares about you. He has sent rain every year so that you would have crops. He's made sure that you have food on your table. There's this one God that cares about you. And let me tell you more about this one God. And he, and he wants to tell them about Jesus. So he says, no, no, we're not gods. We're just like you. But we're here to represent the one true God. And says that in verse 18, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. It was a battle to convince them, hey, no, we're not gods, but let us tell you about the one real God. And so eventually the crowd calms down and they take the bull back and they take the wreaths off. And Paul and Barnabas are there able to share with them about this true God and about Jesus. And they were there for several days telling people about God. And there were people that were accepting him. There was new disciples of Christ that were, that were being born in this town, people that were accepting Jesus as their savior. And then they're on this high of people accepting Christ, and here comes one of those lows on the roller coaster. Then some Jews, then some Jews came over, came from Antioch and Iconom and won the crowd over. So this, these Jews come and they, they tell about, the, the, about Paul and Barnabas and tell these lies and tell these stories and get them all riled up and, and they get angry at them. The crowd is angry at these imposters, at these people that are here. And so they get the crowd angry and it says, then they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Stoning was an intentional uh, a means of execution. It was a very violent form, and you would only do it if you were trying to kill someone. And so they have stoned him. I don't know where Barnabas was, but they were able to capture Paul, and they throw the stones at him, and they hit him in the face, hit him in his body, and throw enough stones that they thought he was dead. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about a man that he knows that went up to heaven and came back to earth. And many believe that this was his way of telling the story about this moment, about the time that he was stoned. In Listeria. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that, not, that no one is permitted to tell. That Paul was left for dead, and maybe he did die. Maybe he was brought back to life by God. And that, that many believe that this was Paul talking about this moment in his life, this, this near-death experience, this out-of-body experience that he had. And verse 20, back to chapter 14, verse 20 in Acts says, But after the disciples, these new believers, had gathered around him, he got up and went back in the city. 
The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. The disciples come around, these new believers in Jesus Christ. These disciples, like Timothy, come around and, and see, see this preacher get beaten, see him, this witness for God be stoned. And they come around him, and they, and they help pick him up, and they care for his wounds, and they take him back in. And you got to think the people from Listeria saw this. They thought that he was dead, and now he's living. And they wonder, how is this man still alive? And they wonder, maybe there is something special about his God that would protect him and give him life. Paul goes back to Listeria three more times later on in the journeys. He goes back to share with these people about Jesus Christ. The same people that stoned him to death saw his love for them as he was willing to come back and reach out to them. Imagine the highs and lows of Paul and Barnabas' life of this first missionary journey. And so they leave there and they go to Derby, and then the, the chapter continues to share about how they kind of end their journey. They backtrack on their path and they go back to the cities that they had been in and they re-encourage the believers there and they ordain the leaders to be over those churches and they leave them in a good place. And they get back to the church in Antioch that sent them off in the first place. In verse 27, we get this. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Can you imagine the stories that night? Right? Imagine that you're part of this church of Antioch and, and you don't know if Paul and Barnabas are even still alive. They've been gone for a long time, but word gets out that they're back. And we're all meeting tonight at the church. And so they're gathering their family and their friends and they're all coming back and they just sit and listen to this amazing roller coaster that Paul tells about their journey, about the, about the ships and about the terrain, about the weather, simple things like that, but also about the people, about the highs of seeing the governor accept Jesus Christ, and about the lows of being run off and threatened for their life, about the highs and the humor of this village thinking that they're Zeus and, and Hermes, and then seeing those people come and accept Jesus Christ, and then the low of being stoned to death. And so they got this wild roller coaster that they're telling about. And what an amazing night it would have been to hear all this, to hear these God stories. Because often being part of God's plan involves some crazy stories. It involves some extreme lows because there's an, there's an enemy that is out, as the scripture says, out to still kill and destroy. That he is seeking to destroy Paul and Barnabas. And so leading to stonings and leading to running them out of the town. And then there's this amazing God that is empowering them. And giving them these amazing testimonies of new believers. That are telling the church in Antioch, there's your brothers and sisters in Listeria and Cyprus and Iconome and Derby And all these locations is your brothers and sisters because of these highs. And so they're telling us lows and highs and this wild roller coaster ride that is to follow God. So often in our life, our roller coaster looks a little different. This is another roller coaster at Dollywood. This is in a different area. And this is how sometimes our stories go, right? It's pretty mellow, it's pretty safe. Even that kid doesn't look happy. 
And oh, oh, now we're going. There's this one little turn, and then it kind of mellows out again. And you know what? It just starts all over. Day after day, week after week, this is our story. That it's safe. There's nothing that you have to worry about. These kids probably don't even have seatbelts on or anything. But is that the story you want to tell at the end of the day? Or would you rather tell the story of the lightning rod? Of, the, of waiting in line and the anticipation of seeing people get off and you're so excited and, and see, feeling your stomach come up and, and the time that you vomited a little in your mouth but it was worth it and this was great and you're telling the story and it was so excited and your eyes were huge and your hair was crazy when you got off and you went and got in line and did it again and again. Wouldn't that be the story you would rather tell at the end of Dollywood than the fact that you went on this little kid's roller coaster? Wouldn't that be, rather be the story we would like to tell at the end of our life? That we are on God's wild ride, a crazy ride. But let me tell you about the highs that happen. Let me tell you about the lows. And we've talked about Windshape, and I wanted to share a little bit about how we've seen God working in Windshape this year. And how we have an opportunity to be part of these highs and part of the lows of where God's working of Windshape. Uh, Hannah Pollard is, the ho- is our official host for Windshape, and, and she's on her way now to Atlanta, um, to Georgia. They're dropping off their kids at overnight camp for Windshape. And so they took a little video, her and, her and Dave, and uh, Dave is a Chick-fil-A owner, which you will see here in a second, and, um, and tell a little bit about God's working, and then I want to give you a little more details about this amazing story in a second. Hi, Discovery. It's the Pollard family. Hello. Say hi, Dad. <laughs> we, we, got our, we got our Chick-fil-A. Yes, we do. We are um, so sad that we can't be in church with you today. But we are actually dropping our kids off where? Windshape. Windshape. Two-week overnight camp. And so we're not able to be um, with you this morning. But I just wanted to let you know some exciting things that God is doing and providing um, for our Windshape camps in Bristol. Uh, We have the opportunity to just uh, call someone called and we're going to be able to sponsor about 45 kids from the Boys and Girls Club um, this year to no effort that we've done at all and we um, are possibly going to be able to work with Human Health Services providing camp for 10 to 20 foster care kids in foster care Um, and that was to no nothing that we've done either. So God is just really providing some really cool opportunities for these kids. And so would you mind being in prayer with us that uh, that God will just continue to be faithful and continue to um, actually just continue to grow our faith in knowing that he is going to provide every single thing that we need and that these kids are going to be able to hear the great message that we have a never-changing God in an ever-changing world. We're super excited. We'll see you next uh, Sunday, and 
So she asked you guys to pray with us. And so if you'll continue to be praying for Windshape, uh, I want to share a little bit about this idea of prayer. We, we didn't know where the funds would come for scholarships. And, and so this year we just talked and just wanted to pray. And Hannah's been praying fervently and we've been praying with her. And I want to give you a little details about that story. I don't know if you fully got it and she didn't give all the details. This is amazing. And this is where I see God working. These are the highs and lows and the things you want to get on board with, right? So we're at, we have to have 175 kids campers um, to be able to do camp. And we were sitting out and we've been hovering out about 133 for a little while. And we, we thought, we knew that more campers were going to come. It's not till July, but you're still waiting and, and you're kind of worried, right? We're anxious. Oh, are we going to make it? So we're at 133 and she gets a call from this lady and the lady um, is just random, just reaches out to Hannah and says, hey, tell me about camp. And she, Hannah tells her a little and she said, well, I'd like to sponsor a, a little nephew of ours, a, a friend of ours, and can I do that? And, and Hannah says, sure, yeah. She goes, well, can I sponsor too? And, and well, yeah, here's how you would do that and that's no problem. And she said, well, would you like, to, do, would you like more sponsorships? And and Hannah shares, she said, well, yeah, our hope is to be able to bring kids from the Boys and Girls Club. And we don't have any support for that yet. We don't have any financial backing to bring these Boys and Girls Club kids here. And the lady says, well, I'll tell you what, let me think and pray about this for the next few days. She calls back on Monday after the weekend, and she says, I've been praying, and I have a trust that, that I'm in charge of. And so I talked to my lawyers. And this lady doesn't have a clue what numbers we're at, right? I threw out a couple numbers for you. We're sitting at 133, and we have to have uh, 175. She doesn't know the numbers at all. And she says, "Uh, I talked to my lawyers, and I've decided to scholarship 42 kids this year for Windshape Camp. The exact number that we need, right? For any of you that aren't great at math, that's the exact number that we needed. And it was awesome to see God working to the exact number. How weird that she would sponsor 42. You know, it's such a random number. And that's exactly what she did. And then just yesterday, Hannah reached out to the staff and sent us a text message that said, we've been continuing to pray and we were just reached out by Human Health Services. And they want to send foster kids to camp and all the camps that they wanted to send them to fell through. And so they've asked if we can, if we would be able to accept 10 to 20 foster kids to go to Windshape Camp. The government is paying for these kids to know, go find out about Jesus. How amazing, right? The answers to prayers. And so that was so cool, right? And so I just want to tell you, like, there's some highs and lows with Windshape, and we are excited about this. And, and I share that because we, you, me, Jessney, everybody up here, right, we are hosting Windshape, all of you. And so what are some ways that you would be able to be part of these highs and lows of Windshape Camp? At the, as you exit, there's a table, and there's a couple things on that table, and there's a sign-up sheet for meals. We need, I think, one more dinner, someone that would provide dinner one night for the Windshape staff of 30. We need three more breakfasts, people that would just be willing to drive through Hardee's, get sausage biscuits, and drop them off at Keene University at 7 a.m. And I share all this in light of asking for prayer, that you would prayerfully consider supporting Windshape in that way. Could you provide a meal? We need about three volunteers that would be willing to do laundry on Sunday afternoon. Windshape is June 8th through the 12th. The team arrives June, uh, July 8th through the 12th. The team arrives July 7th. And there, there's 28 of them, and they're coming, and they have bags of dirty laundry. And we said, don't worry about your laundry. We'll take care of it. So we just need a couple people that are willing to come here that Sunday morning, grab 10 bags, throw them in your trunk, go to a laundromat with a roll of quarters, and then drop off clean laundry. 
doesn't sound like much, but it's huge to these workers that are setting up camp to change the lives of these kids. It's a chance for you to be part of this roller coaster of wind shape. Maybe if you have some time this summer, maybe you're a teacher and you have the summers free or you're a student, or maybe you're willing to take time off. Steve Gibson is closing down his shop just to be at camp this week because he believes in it that much. We need volunteers that are willing to help. If you'd love to help out for the week, for a couple days, for a few mornings, come see us at the table and help and sign up to help. And then the last thing we have, there's a little card out there, a never-changing card. That's the theme, because we worship and follow a God that's never-changing. And so we, as a church, have had several foster families say, we'd like to send our kids to Windshape. And as a church, we said, we don't know how, but we're going to take care of it. And we've been praying. And I want to ask you to pray and see if that's something God has put on your heart, that maybe you're an answer to these prayers. That maybe you want to sponsor a foster kid or, or part of a partial scholarship to find a ways that you could be on this roller coaster that is Windshape, on this roller coaster that is God's. Maybe Windshape isn't going to work out for you and you're out of town that week. We have a missions trip, a local missions trip at the end of this summer where we're going to work with Habitat for Humanity, Appalachian Service Project. We're going to help rebuild a church that was damaged by the floods. Maybe that's an area that you could say, hey, there's going to be highs and lows. There's a low that I miss out on my weekend. Maybe I miss out on some money with work. But the highs of impacting your community. Maybe you're already part of God's crazy roller coaster, and you've already got some highs and lows. And if so, I'd love for you to tell us about it. Let us pray with you during the lows and celebrate with you during the highs. Because I, wanna, I hope and pray that at the end of this summer, that when Labor Day comes and we, we're gathered with our friends and family at maybe a campfire like Paul was at the Church of Antioch, that we can look back at this summer, summer 2019, and say we were on a crazy ride. I hope and pray that I'm not sharing about this safe little roller coaster that has one tiny turn and then just goes on, does the same thing every day. But I'm telling about this amazing thing that there are some crazy lows where the enemy was attacking, but man, they are coupled with amazing highs. So that's my prayer to you. That this, my prayer for you and for myself, that this summer you will be on God's roller coaster that you will follow the example that we see from this first missionary journey of someone willing to fully follow God no matter what it takes. If you'll pray with me. Lord, we just come to you and just pray that this, that this message in the book of Acts, that this first journey we would be able to take in an amazing message to be able to see that you are alive and active, to be able to see what it looks like to give our life over to you. God, there are people in this room that have never done that. God, if they need to accept Jesus for the first time, I just encourage that you place that burden on their heart to come talk to somebody. And God, that if there's people in this room that, that have played it safe, that have been on that safe roller coaster, God, put it on their heart to get on board the real thing, to get on board with you, to experience the lows, but also experience the highs that is following God. God, we lift this all up in your name. God, we lift up wind shape in your name. That there are people in this room that will step up and volunteer. That there are people in this room that will step up and change a child's life. 
that like that little girl will change kids' eternity. God, we lift this up in your name.